Thank you, worship team. Uh, online viewers, can we give it up for those who are watching online this morning? Thank you for tuning in today or through the week. We have roughly, I think, seven or 800 people weekly that watch uh, online. And so we're very thankful for them. Uh, many of them send in support. Uh, thank you that we've become your home church and those that are in-house at both campuses. We're so thankful that people are starting to come back in. Amen. It's a good, good thing. So love that song, honey, Lord Send Revival. Send it now. It's a, I've, I'm going to I'm going to wrap a series around it, I think, of the major revivals that have taken place in the world. And pastors, such as myself, many that we're connected with, are praying for the fourth great awakening, which we believe will happen in our generation, in our time frame. And so uh, I, I think I'll, I'll wrap a series around that. We can sing that every week. That was a powerful or is a powerful song. And again, revival will look different, many different ways. Revival is just simply us getting closer to Jesus uh, and him having his way in our lives so that we can be used uh, in him, uh, for him. I love Thanksgiving. I love, uh, I, I met uh, my wife in November. Uh, two of our children are born in November. Um, I, I just, uh, it, it's a special time for me because Thanksgiving is, is de-commercialized. We kind of go from Halloween to Christmas, you know. And if you're Hobby Lobby, you go from 4th of July to Christmas, you know. You, you just, there, there's nothing in between. Uh, if you want a tree, you got to go there like July the 5th or it's gone. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to miss the the Thanksgiving spirit, the, the attitude of gratitude, just being being thankful. And we kind of miss that uh, in our Western civilization. Uh, not a lot of people say thank you anymore. And I, I think we should take a make a habit this month of thanking people for just being thankful. Thank thank someone. Be, uh, it, it's good. It's a good thing. And so we're going to talk about uh, today. Uh, again, thankfulness, but in the spirit of God's character. We have a lot to be thankful for. God has done so much for us. God is so good, and we don't even realize that we just were kind of a, a blip, and, and yet God knows each one of us by name. In fact, uh, those who are following Christ and have become Christ's followers, uh, Revelations 2.17 says that you'll have a new name. Uh, in glory. You'll have a white stone with a name on it that every person that, that goes to the other side uh, and spends eternity in heaven will have a new name. It'll be unique to you, just like your DNA. And so it's important that we know uh, uh, that God not only loves and cares, but knows us intimately. He knows us individually. And so uh, be aware of that. Make, make sure you know that. So we're going to go just through some characters or through some attributes of God today. And we want you to know that uh, we're made in the image, imagio Dei, image of God. And by being made in the image of God, then we're to understand, okay, that we're to reflect these characteristics from God through us into then uh, the world of which we serve. Not even the world we live, but the world that we serve. We serve a world uh, and as Christ followers so that people can be added to the kingdom of God. It shouldn't be an us versus them type of mentality. It needs to be an us for them mentality. You know, there might be some things that you dispute or have conversation about, but it has to be a scenario that we're serving in this world as a reflection 
of God. The closer I get to the mirror, the more I see my, my image. Same thing with God. The closer we get to God, the more we see that image of who God needs us to be in a lost world, that we can be that shining light. So let's pray because we'll, we, don't do, we don't have an anchor verse. I have an anchor verse for each of the, the segments today, but we'll pray ahead of time, and then we'll, we'll, go, we'll jump in. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your, uh, your word. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you, Father, Lord, that in Jesus' name uh, you would open our hearts, Lord, to be a reflection, imago Dei, a reflection of the image of God that we need to be so that we handle scenarios properly, Lord, uh, with with, with, your, with your goodness and with your good word. And we thank you. Lord, let that word come alive to us today and be with us. In Jesus' name, uh, we pray. And the church said, amen. All right, thank you. So uh, characteristics of God. You know, people will say, well, that person's high character. Or that person, uh, they have a lot, of, uh, a lot of character. And that's usually a really good thing. I mean, you look at character, you look at something that as a value, or it's, a, it's an added bonus. And so uh, high character people here all around the room, there's high character people uh, in Grace Church, high character people in Hickory and around the world. Your, your families have high character people in them. And so we're going to talk about uh, a few of the high characteristics of God so that uh, we understand, again, the reflective image that we have, that we can show off who God is, not in an arrogant way, uh, not even in an uh, ignorant way, but in a powerful way that says, wait, if this is, this is uh, who God is in me, then he wants me to s display that to other people. The first one is love. God is love. His love uh, is a characteristic, but we know that God is love, and he's agape love. He's a, a unconditional love. We don't have conditions uh, uh, in our life with God. So uh, in our uh, growing up stages, sometimes we have conditions. If you make your bed, if you eat all your vegetables. I, I was never a good vegetable eater growing up. Uh, vegetables uh, were not my thing, but they were pretty simple. They were corn. Uh, they were, you know, green beans, uh, sometimes lima beans. My wife loves lima beans. You love lima beans, don't you? I, I, they, I don't like lima beans. Our son Marcus hates green beans. In fact, uh, he would always have to eat two whenever Janie cooked um, dinner and, and had green beans. Marcus would have to have two, and it was hard for him to, it was hard to watch. Uh, his stomach would start to convulse, you know, and he would make himself regurgitate the, the green bean. And it's like, it's two green beans. It's not, I mean, eat them, buddy. No, and it was, it was painful. I, honey, we, we have to do something different. Don't, we can't serve this guy green beans. First of all, I can't watch it anymore. It's just painful for me to see him make himself throw up. It's a painful experience. And so she would use bacon grease and brown sugar. That's a cure-all. Like if you have kids that don't eat vegetables and you don't care if they're healthy or not, just throw some brown sugar on them. That is a cure-all. Our kids love green beans now. And, 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 and Jenny doesn't even have to put brown sugar on them anymore. A little bit of garlic salt and sometimes bacon and bacon. It's a beautiful thing. But it, it's, it, sometimes we're conditioned, though, right? It's like we have to do something in order to be something. If, again, make your bed or eat your vegetables or have good grades or those things. And we've conditioned ourselves to be conditional to where we think then God is conditional. Let's go to John.
John 3.16 because it kind of nails it for God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Love doesn't receive, love gives. And this is what God is teaching us through love. His character of love is that God loves, so he gave his son that whosoever, and whosoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. Why? Because God is love. It's one of his characters. He's a character of love. And so love, though, with God is unconditional. There's no conditions. And we, unfortunately, most of us love conditionally. If there's something we're having a good day or if there's something takes place or something happens the way we want it. And not all of it is bad. I, I think a reward system sometimes is good. I'm not saying it's not. It's just that if we're not careful, there's conditions that apply on that. And because there's conditions that apply, then we think God is that way. One of the horror stories of the Bible, I think, is in Genesis, the third chapter, because it's so misinterpreted uh, when Adam and Eve fall, they eat uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the Bible says that the voice of the Lord would walk daily in the garden and just visit with Adam and Eve, and I believe God really enjoyed that. I believe uh, conversation is really of God, and one day, uh, God couldn't Adam, of course, he knew where Adam was, but he says, Adam, Adam, where are you? And now sometimes with a conditional mind, we think, well, this is God getting ready to judge Adam. So let me sidebar for a second. Sin or actions have consequences. Every action has a consequence, okay, or a reaction. So we can't diminish or negate the point that if we have done things in our life that maybe are sinful or not in God's nature, there's still going to be a consequence or a reaction that takes place. God was not judging the reaction. He had already made the, he already had made the action of the consequence. If you do these things, this is what will happen. But when God said, Adam, Adam, where are you? I believe it was his redemptive quality of love trying to bring Adam back into the fold. So we have this conditional mind that says, wait a second, God's getting ready to judge. No, their actions brought consequences that already judged them. God was trying to redeem them. Just like he tries to redeem us today just like he wants to restore us, just like Jane said, he wants to revive us. He wants to bring renewal. He wants to bring a refreshing. And so there's a, there's a retreat, if you will, a restoration that takes place when we recognize one of the characteristics of God is love. It's unconditional, and he is yelling out our name, whatever your name is, and he's saying, where are you? Why? Because I want to restore fellowship with you. I want to restore community with you. I want to restore and redeem that quality in you that may be lost all the way back at the garden. The Bible says in Jesus speaking that he would leave the 99, the good shepherd does, to go after the one. That's the God of love that we serve. He's a loving father who will not let you down. He will come after you. He will seek after you. He'll knock on your door until you answer so that he can redeem you and so that he can love you. And by the way, he loves you just the way you are. He, you, you can't do anything to make him love you more. Now, I believe we should walk in obedience. I think we should walk in a scriptural obedience. I think we should not misinterpret the scriptures. We need to do all those things. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
That's what uh, the scripture says that when we walk in this love and we love God because he loves us unconditionally, Romans 5, 8 says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he didn't make us hold to a standard. He became the standard because he loves us. But then just as uh, someone loves you, you love them back. We start to love God back because we love him. We don't want to offend him. We don't want to hurt him. We don't want to be irreverent towards him. Why? Because God is love. Can you say amen? It's a critical bar because so many times we think, well, Adam dropped the ball. Yes, he did. Adam, where are you? He was hiding. What's the first thing Adam does? He blames that woman you gave me. God, I mean, if you wouldn't have given me her, it had been all right. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You were lonely. You named 500,000 animals and you couldn't find one you liked. So God made woman out of you, okay? Adam came from the dust of the ground, but Eve came out of man. Family came out of husband and wife, man and woman. And then society came out of them. This is why we have a redeemer called Jesus. He came out of a nation. Out of society came a nation. So things come out of our unconditional love with each other, namely God first. And then we have this a God-sized hole in our heart that is filled only by God through his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is love. Adam, where are you? This is what I want to pound in you for a moment today. Isn't so that I can judge you and kick you out of the garden. That took place when you did what you weren't supposed to do. That's a consequence. That doesn't reflect God's love. What reflects God's love is the fact that God was there saying, Adam, where are you? I want to redeem you. I want to love you. I want to throw my arms around you. I want to bring you back into the fold. And God is still doing that today. Some five or 6,000 years later, he's whatever your name is, he's saying, I love you. I want to have relationship with you. I want to have intimacy with you. I want to have fellowship with you. Can you say amen? His second quality, and there's other ones. The second one is that he's patient. Aren't you glad God is patient? Um, dear Lord, I, uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm lacking in this quality. I'm trying so hard, and, and God keeps putting wonderful people in my way that are much more patient than I am. You know the person that slows down at the yellow light and stops when the rest of us want to run through it, right? Or the person when the light turns green, they're still checking their last text message. And you just want to honk. I do honk. You want to, I do. And I drive with my middle hand, my hand on the middle of the wheel. I, I use two hands. I use a 10 o'clock and zero. Because <laughs> I'm working on my patience. But I'm so glad that God is patient with me. I'm so glad that God takes his time with me and, and all of us, for that matter, that he wants us to reflect that and have some patience with other people as well, right? Let's go to Psalms 40. This is called a Psalm of Thanksgiving, the first three verses. If you are familiar with the group U2, Bono sings this uh, nearly at the end of every concert. It's some 14, 13, 14, 1,500 times he's, he's sung it, and it's called Psalm 40, and, but David wrote it, okay? And so maybe Bono's kind of a type of David, but this is David's word, and he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction and from the miry clay, King James says, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure, 
He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What's he saying? Because I waited patiently for God and God waited patiently for me, it's a testimony to those that are around me doing, do, to endure the patience that God has for me. And then I can wait, not with lack of faith, but with full trust in God because he is patient for me. There's a sense of patience there, and it's a, it's a fine-tuning patience. It's, a, it's something that maybe has to last a long time, or you have to work for it for a while. My little friend Carter here on the front row, varsity wrestler, okay, looking at a future state champion, probably a future national champion, already has colleges calling him, and, but that didn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. Mom and dads had to fly him all over the country for different events, okay? And they're glad to do it. Mom and dad will be there Tuesday night for his first wrestling match, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. They're proud of him, but Carter's put in the work. He's got a good rooting system, a good cheer section. Grandparents will be there. He's got friends, but he's put in the work. See, when we have patience, then it becomes the, the thing where now I can, now there's a payoff. Wherever there's patience, there's payoff. It's a, it's a woman who's, who's pregnant. And yes, it's so glad. You know, you're, you're so excited. We announce it to everybody. And now they have, when Janie and I had kids, uh, we found out the day the baby was born what the child was going to be. Now they have reveal parties. Balloons go up in the air. Things blow up pink and blue. And sometimes they're pink and blue. And sometimes they, they're, they're all kind of cool stuff, and, and it's, it's just it's an amazing, and, I, and I'm not against it. I, I love all that, but it still takes nine months to have those babies. And at some point in time, mama's tired of carrying the baby. Like, would well, Jesus just this over with? There are rocky roads in Omaha, Nebraska that go like this, and there's railroad tracks, and I can't tell you how many times at the eight-and-a-half-month mark that I drove Janie down those roads. She, at some times, doesn't have the greatest patience, and she's ready to have those babies born. She was, she was ready to have those babies born. We did everything we could. No. But you know what? That baby's going to come when God tells that baby to come, no matter how much patience you have or don't have. It's that mama giving birth, and this is an example that God gives us in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, just like a woman in travail. And when that woman is in travail, it's both exciting and gut-wrenching. It's both a screaming of joy and screaming of pain. It's, it's all these things collective. And yet sometimes when we have to wait patiently for the Lord, we don't understand the witness and testimony it is to somebody else when they say, how in the world were you able to endure all of that? David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. I understood that those tears, those prayers, that angst, that, that anguish, that, 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 that even sometimes fearfulness were going to pay great dividends. Why? Because we serve a faithful God. <laughs> he, is, he is so, so faithful, and he's also very patient. We saw God with the Israelites. I mean, if it was one of us, we'd have probably just blown them up and started all over again. We saw Jesus with the disciples. Well, you picked them, Jesus. They were a motley crew. You knew it to begin with. But he walked with them. He talked with them. He trained them. And yet, the church is kind of a, uh, 
uh, representative of Israel and us as believers, individuals, we're representative of the apostles, God still has patience with every single one of us. It's important for us to know that if God has patience with us, he needs us to have patience with other people. Why? Because let's put verse 3 up one more time with that Psalms 40 if we could. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Why? Because you had patience with God. God had patience with you. And because of that, many will trust and believe. Number three characteristic of God is salvation. It's his salvation. It's his way of doing things. He is, he is the God of salvation. It's amazing how God operates. All these things, his love, his patience, come to this point where now we understand that God saves through his son, Jesus Christ. We become Christ followers or born again or Christians, however you want to coin that phrase in your style of denomination or belief. I would say Christ followers because he's the leader of the pack. Let's go to Habakkuk, I think the third chapter. I like that name, Habakkuk. I told Janie I'd love to have a, a son or daughter named Habakkuk, and she said no. So we have Marcus and Andrew. But I said maybe a grandson named Habakkuk, and, and the, the, all the kids were like, no. And I, Maybe I can grab one of these grandkids and just say how Habakkuk is such a strong name, and they'll name one of their, their kids or grandkids Habakkuk. It just sounds powerful, but listen to what Habakkuk says. Though the fig trees should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. In other words, we're talking about a depressed economy. We're talking about gas prices, 4 and $5. We're talking about no uh, uh, groceries on the shelf. We're talking about having to get your Christmas presents early or buy your turkey ahead of time, get your steaks for Christmas Day or whatever you cook because they're going to be out. The flock would be cut off the fold, and there would be no herd in the stalls. In other words, maybe it's today's society. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Let's just say it. Let's go back to 18. We'll say it. We won't read. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Things aren't working out the way I need them to, Pastor. I know you're right. They haven't worked out my my way either. I was going to be a linebacker for the Raiders. That didn't work out. It may not work out the way you want it. As long as it works out the way God wants it, that's okay. But you rejoice in the Lord of your salvation. I will take joy. That word will there, that's a choice. That's what it really means. It's not I, I will, it's I choose to. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will, I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Yet I will, I will make this a point that I will rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because God is worthy to be praised and he's already saved me. I will take the joy in God of my salvation. There's joy there. And the, Nehemiah said, well, it's the joy of the Lord that's my strength. I, I'm not strong unless I have joy. And we know even scientifically those people who are depressed have less strength, even physically, emotionally, than those people that have a lot of joy. So we need to get the people that maybe are walking in depression just a little bit more joyful. And then we understand, and by the way, as many in the church as outside the church. But we've, we've surrendered our joy. It's where the enemy attacks us. If we, if we can steal our joy, then there's a poor representation of God's salvation. You don't have to fake it till you make it. You just got to pray for it. Lord, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to rejoice. 
This is why we praise and worship before a service, because I'm going to rejoice to God. Why, if nothing else is going wrong, you saw, you saw that first verse 17, the fields are dry, there's nothing on the vine, there's no oxen in the stalls, it's a bad day. I mean, they're not having good, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take the joy of God in my salvation. I'm going to make sure that people know, hey, no matter what happens, if everything else in my life is a failure, God is on my side. I'm making heaven my home. I'm making heaven my home. His salvation. The salvation isn't something that he did. Salvation is a characteristic because he wants to restore you. He wants to redeem you. So we have love and patience, but then we have this salvation. We, we see what's taking place. And again, it's reflective of God. If we are the imago Dei, image of God, then we need to reflect the salvation to the point where maybe we stop judging everybody, but we start loving everybody so that they can truly see that God is love. Again, consequences have already come with their actions. We don't need to beat them over the head with it. We need to love them and understand that, hey, God loves you. There is salvation in God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus talks a parable in Luke 15 and 7, and in this parable he says, so you can take it either figuratively or literally, that every time someone really comes to know Christ, the angels in heaven are throwing a party. Now I'm paraphrasing that just a little bit, but that's the crux of the message. So you know my wife likes to throw parties and have parties, and other people like to have parties, and you go on vacation and you want to have a party and you want to do stuff, and there's a party, but can you imagine the party in heaven? Bato, can you imagine the party in heaven when you got saved? You gave your heart to the Lord, and even God said, I'm never sure. I wasn't sure about that guy. No, he didn't. No, not at all. He knew. He knew his love for you before you were even born. There's a party that takes place in the heavenlies when we surrender our heart to God. Why? Because the angels are saying, that's why you send your son. That's why, that's why you lended that characteristic. That's why your son was punished so that he could be raised up again, sitting on the right hand of the throne, the power position, making intercession for you and for me. Why? Because salvation is that critical. And then Jesus goes into the, the parable of the, of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son goes out and he has a, he has a party, but it's the wrong kind of party. It was a party that, that says, I, I wish to his father you were dead. That's why he wanted the, his inheritance. And after he blew all the inheritance, he found himself in a mud pen with pigs. And the Bible says he came to himself. That's the core of revival. We come to ourselves realizing this thing, this world, this world and all its angst and anxiety and, and even temporary pleasure isn't for me. I belong to another world. I belong to a heavenly world. And not because I'm better, it's because I've accepted what Christ, the better one, already did. The anointed one. Doesn't make me better. Doesn't make you better. Doesn't make Grace Church better. It just makes us more representative of what Christ did for us It's salvation. And then the other brother gets mad. Remember when the son comes home, the father throws a party? So two things you need to remember about that story. One, he had to come to himself. Two, the other brother, the father said, why are you mad? Well, you throw a big party for him? The, the father said, all, you had access to this all the time. See, when we get saved, when we become Christ's followers, 
It's, the, it's about having access to the throne room all the time. We need to introduce other people to that access, to that throne room, to those people who need Christ's followers as well. Not get mad at them, not damn them to hell, not wish they weren't part of it, but to open the door of grace so that truth can be taught. Can you say amen? Number four, his sovereignty. He's a sovereign God. He, 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 he understands. And, and then God is so big that we don't even, we can't even get portion of it. Let's read out of Hebrews, uh, a few verses, Hebrews 12. At that time, uh, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Uh, this phrase, yet once more, Paul writing, well, not, we don't know if it's Paul, uh, somebody writing, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Those are those who are in Christ. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. This is important to know because we look at things in the world and maybe a car rusts out after a while or maybe a rusty swing set in the backyard or a deck is falling in or maybe your house uh, needs some repair or a garage or a shed or maybe a person as we get a little older sometimes we have to have a knee surgery, a replacement or shoulder, a replacement or different things or maybe we have to Watch our diet a little bit better so that our heart functions properly. We're going to, this flesh is going to even rust away, but God will not. God's word will not, and God's promises will not. And so we are thankful for God doing what he does so that we become then awestruck. It's, it's an awesome thing, and we understand that God is so big, yet so personal. Janie and I are reading a book from Dick Eastman called Awesome. It's a 30-day uh, uh, devotional, and we're going to get some, I think, for the holidays to, to, to give out or to sell for cost so that you can grab it. But day number four, uh, Dick Eastman talks about just how big God is, and, and we don't really realize it. Psalms 147 says that uh, Jesus not only created all the stars, but he knows them by name. Now, again, some people will say, well, that's not, you know, you can't take that literal. Uh, I do. I believe that if Jesus, the Bible says, by the power of the Holy Spirit to the psalmist David, that J Jesus named all the stars, I believe he named all the stars. Well, scientists will say that with all the galaxies and all the stars known to man, there's at least 40 octillion stars. So that's the number 40 with 27 zeros behind it. Almost as big as Landon Barefoot's bank account, but you know, close. And so 40 octillion. Are you with me? That's a, that's a long, long number, okay? And so he, uh, Dick Eastman breaks it down in his book, day number four, to this matter. Well, the largest... Uh, library in the world, not counting the Library of Congress, which has 34 million books in it, but, uh, but each book only averages about 15,000 words, which would make it about 2 million books based on the standards I'm going to give you. The largest library in the world is 200,000 books. So if you 
looked at Webster's unabridged dictionary, that has 500,000 words in it, okay? And so if you took those, uh, a book the size of Webster's unabridged dictionary with 500,000 words, and you gave every person in the world, 7.7 billion people, you gave them 10 libraries with a million of those unabridged dictionaries in each library, okay? Over, over the whole earth, you still wouldn't have 40 octillion words. Now, that's mind-boggling, but it's meant to be. Here, here's why I say that, because John wrote in the 21st chapter that I suppose that all that Jesus did, the volumes of the book the world could not contain. So every person here has 10 libraries with a million books in it, and every, every one of those million books has 500,000 names of stars in those uh, books with the description. You still haven't reached 40 octillion stars, and Jesus knows every single one of them. That's how sovereign he is, but more than that, he can be intimate with you today. That's the important thing, not how many stars there are, not to count them up or name them. Jesus has already done that, but the fact that he wants to be intimate with you, the fact that he wants to know you on a one-on-one -on -one basis, the fact that he is so big and so sovereign that he can do that is just amazing because I think sometimes in our finite mind, we think that our problems don't matter to Jesus. We think that our problems are too big for Jesus. We think that our problems are too small for Jesus. And I want to tell you, nothing is too big or too small or too impersonal for Jesus. He cares. This is what makes him special. This is what makes God sovereign because he has all this vast expanse, this knowledge. He has all this memory. He knows all these things of what's going on, but he also knows you if you let him on a personal level. Last but not least is mercy. And the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Every day you wake up, it's new. And it's even more so than that if you look at every sunrise that takes place all around the earth, all around the, every time change. There's 24 different time zones. Every time zone, there's a, there's a new morning taking place. And that more, those mercies are new. We also are told uh, in Scripture, come on back, worship team. We're also told in Scripture that his, his mercies, the way we obtain mercy is by giving mercy. And if we can give mercy out, we can, we can have it. And that's a direct, again, reflection of who God is. If, if we're getting mercy from God, shouldn't other people get mercy from God? If we're getting that uh, grace from God, shouldn't other people get grace? Well, people may not know mercy or grace from God except that they see it from us. You're going to be Jesus to somebody. In the scriptures we read or read where uh, Jesus is saying, once a young attorney comes to him and says, uh, what's, the, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, in fact, there's two. One, love God with everything in you, your heart, soul, mind, matter, love God with everything, and then love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, we read love your neighbor as yourself in the book of Leviticus. The book of Levit Leviticus is a really a hardcore book. You can die if your children aren't being raised properly. You can die if you have an affair. You can die if you're a false prophet. There's many number of things, but right in the middle, God stops by the power of the Holy Spirit and says, wait a second, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, he's instituting love in there. These are a bunch of rules. They're good, but it's not the core. The core is love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is, is stating that to the young attorney. Love God with everything, love your neighbor. And he says, because he's used to debating, who's my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to the Good Samaritan. 
You know the story. First of all, a priest comes by. Second of all, a Levite comes by. Third of all, a Samaritan comes by. Well, the first two are churchgoers. One's a, one's a, a priest, a, a clergyman. Another one's a Levite from the tribe of, of clergymen. So they're, they're churchgoers. And, and they look at the, the person who got mugged and robbed laying on the street for dead. And they cross over the street the other side. And they said, no, we're, going, we're not going around there. The Samaritan, the one who was uh, the hated and, 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 all, and talked poorly about, uh, the, he goes over, he takes care of the, uh, the person who is robbed and left for dead, uh, puts him on a cart, takes him to a local hotel, pays for a couple nights and said, if there's any more dead, I'll pay for it on the way back. And then he said, who, who did the, the right thing here? Well, the Samaritan did. Jesus uses this as an example because I would say this, who do you need to walk across the street for? Stand with me this morning. I want you to think about that for a second. But we want the Holy Spirit just to, 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 to mess with your mind for just a moment, if, if you'll allow him to. Because we live in an age where uh, only the church... Uh, those people who, the church not being grace church, the church being worldwide, the people who love God through Christ, they're the only ones that can truly reflect God's love. Someone prayed you into the kingdom. Someone showed you mercy. Someone uh, taught you about salvation and then you became. So now we have to look at what we've become. Can we share? And the only way we can share it is there's going to be somebody figuratively or maybe even literally across the street from you that God wants you to share that good news. He wants you to, he wants you to take care of them, take them a meal. He wants you to, to, to encourage them. He wants you to love on them. He wants you to be in their lives. He wants you to be what the Samaritan was versus what the priests and the Levites weren't because we can get a little churchy if we're not careful. So close your eyes for a moment. Bow your heads. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands or a show of anything. I want you just to be between you and the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there some way or somebody that you've been neglecting? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you simply can say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I ask you into my heart. That starts the process. Salvation is instantaneous, but uh, uh, any good relationship takes time and it takes effort and it takes work. You're not there yet. None of us are there yet. We're working on getting there. So uh, if they're now, if you're a Christ follower, just, just ask, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you place somebody in my way this week that I can be the Amajo Day, the image of God, where I can reflect love, where I can reflect patience, where I can reflect salvation, where I can reflect your sovereignty, or, or I can reflect mercy. It doesn't have to be all. It can be just one, where maybe you haven't been merciful to one person. Or maybe it's, flip the script, maybe it's someone that just hasn't been that way to you, then maybe, Lord, help us exercise patience with those people so that we can reflect your love, we can reflect your integrity, we, we can reflect your, 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 just your sovereignty and how much you love. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing one more closing song so the, the words just add up even at the end on how his love and mercy is just ever so true and great. Father, I ask, Lord, for the Holy Spirit just to deal with each and every one of us personally on, on who we can figuratively or even literally walk across the street like the, like the Samaritan did. Lord, we can love a person, Lord, just the way they are, but we can also show God's love, show God's mercy, and more importantly, show God's salvation. Lord, let us be the image of God. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for your characteristics, and we ask Lord, that those characteristics would operate through us and in us by the Lord because of who you are. That 
all glory and honor and praise will be given to you. We bless and thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rest one more time. God bless you today.
positive and just, you know, cancel out those negative thoughts and just say, you know what, I like the, the part that says I will means I choose, I will make a, a choice, I will rejoice. And maybe if you're battling or you're going through a hard time or it's a hard, hard season, you can just look at that and say, you know what, I'm just going to get in his presence because in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Amen. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We just pray you go with each and every person. Let your face shine upon them. Let your love, Lord, just encapsulate them. Lord, just cover them. Just, just wrap them up like a warm blanket, just that you love them so much, not because of the good that they've done, because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of your glory. We've all made mistakes, but you love us no matter what. So thank you for that. Thank you for that love. So I just pray you go with each and everyone today. Just let them know how much you love them. And we love you back in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome day. Love you all so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select Give. We can't wait to see you next week.